Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The barge is equipped, the lifeboats are ready. It's only listing slightly to the right. Euros, we're coming for you. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Wednesday, 2nd of June. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Luke Moore. Although it occurs to me, would it list to the right or to the le- if it's overstocked on the right, would it list to the left? List to the right. I think you're yeah, absolutely spot right. And I think oh. you've ruined your own well-written good line oh, at the start. Oh, yeah. no. What a disaster. I'm not, I was because I'm thinking of sailing boats and, you know, you like lean out to the side to make yeah. it go the other direction. Not on the barge. Not no. on the barge. <laughs> don't, don't lean out of the barge. You need no. to stay in the barge. The only time you want to lean backwards out of a barge is if you're trying to reach out to the towpath to grab a beer. Grab a beer. Someone's <laughs> left on the side for you. Lovely. I thought you had like a separate beer dinghy. Going alongside. Yeah, I do, yeah. That's what yeah, we're using idea, one of the actually. lifeboats for, actually, I think, yes. is we yeah. stock that up with a bit of ice. And um, yeah. Kate also goes into every major tournament with um, a cap with two cans of beer <laughs> yeah. straws coming down into her mouth at all times. <laughs> and I, I also only drink cans of beer from those, what are they called? Stubbies. Like yeah. Auss, Aussies call them with the stupid little sleeves that they use for no what, reason. Keep, no, it's to keep them cold. To keep oh. it cold. Yeah, the the stubby is like 330 millilitres. How, well, how hot it is it going to get in that's the course of your drink? <laughs> that's a shot for That's a shot. That's what I open with. Those are the shots I open with. Oh, guys, the squad is complete. Uh, who have we got? Mason Greenwood pulled out early. 
yesterday with an injury. Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White, Ben Godfrey, James Will-Prowse, Ollie Watkins and Jesse Lingard all left out, although we're going to see him play tonight. The plot thickens. We'll get on to the others in a minute, but I know given his prowess at set pieces and how many dead ball situations we benefited from at the last World Cup, you'll be seething at the absence, Luke, of Southampton's James Wood-Prowse. No, I'm not seething, actually. But no one else can take a free kick. Uh, yeah, I know, exactly, yeah. Um, although, this is the thing about it, right? And I know what you're doing here, Mason, <laughs> and I will indulge you for a moment. People are saying, James Wood-Prowse this, James Wood-Prowse that, dead balls this, dead balls that, right? And they're also saying the midfield is a little bit light for particular reasons around injuries. And Fine. Henderson is injured. Yeah, I accept, I accept that, right? But Gareth Southgate was literally asked a question in a press conference yesterday about how he's going to choose which free kick takers are going to take free kicks because there's so many of them, right? <laughs> yeah. so I don't think it's a justification to put a player into an England squad just because he's good at free kicks when it's a tiny percentage of what you have to do. And all the people who I've seen talk about James Ward-Prowse haven't actually given any concrete reasons to my knowledge about why he should actually be in there and why he should actually be a part of what is a really exciting, talented, great young England squad. It's no disrespect to James Ward-Prowse. Obviously, I like to take the piss about, out of him a little bit because he plays for Southampton, but generally, generally, it's not, it's, not, it's not a dig at him. It's like, you know, you the, the international football is littered down the years and the decades with players who were really good players who didn't have big international careers because mm. there were other players out there better than them. It's no disgrace. It's just one of those things. Yeah. So I don't want to focus on the negatives. I don't want to focus on who's not in the squad because we're gearing up for a big tournament. It's going to be exciting and we've got a lot of good players in there. Yeah. But do you feel a little bit let down by the fact that there's not really that there's not really any controversy in this squad? No. Manufactured, I'm... yes. Yeah. Real, not real. Well, no, I've tried the right back thing, haven't they? Yeah. That's the, the big story. The bloody right back, Trent Alexander Arnold. It's like Southgate said, he was always in. I spoke to him three weeks yeah. ago. Mm. But also, I guess mm. the, the thing now will be whether he plays or not, um, I suppose, and wh- whether he starts or not. And if he doesn't, it will be there'll be a constant call for him. And if he does, there'll be a constant call for someone else in that right back berth, because I think that's going to be the narrative just underlying the, the tournament, isn't it? But I do. Th- I was dreading someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold or possibly even Jack Grealish being left out. So you had this, oh, if only he'd done that yeah. ahead of the tournament. He hasn't got that. And that's, little, little that's really, really good. Exactly, go well, yeah. exactly. And it's like... And Greenwood obviously being injured is yes, helpful yeah, as well. Greenwood, Greenwood. It was weird the way the the, the, um, the cut started happening. Was it first with Greenwood pulling out and then you're hearing that James Ward-Prowse hadn't made it. It's like, how, why is he... You picking them off like in a horror movie. Like, why, why yeah. are they gradually getting cut? Like, not yeah. all at once. It's just like Mike Myers from Halloween film. Like, you, know, you just turn up the hotel room with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Mason. <laughs> yeah. Like the guy from uh, Friday the 13th with a big hockey stick. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was. Uh, I, do you know what? I watched the press conference yesterday, as I'm sure many people listening did, and I'm sure you guys did. I like the fact that the team and the squad is made up by of a load of players that are exciting, that are interesting. I know Michael Cox did a piece fairly recently about the type of young players that England are generating now, which is far different to what it used to be. Mm. And that's a reason to be excited, not just because of the novelty of it, but because it's you know those players are effective. Those players are great to watch. Yeah. Those players are, are can affect games. And um, secondly, I think our manager, not saying he makes all the right decisions, not saying I agree with every decision, and I'm not saying that you know he'll necessarily be successful or that this is a key to success, but he's a class actor ourselves, okay? Yes. He's very in control of his environment. He knows what he wants to do. He and, and Marcus has talked a bit about this before, about how perhaps it's because he wasn't necessarily seeing himself take the job, at least at the time he took it. Mm. 
he seems to have a good appreciation for what it entails. And he said that quite a lot, didn't he? I understand when people say things about me, this is the job I'm in. But the reason I spoke to Trent three weeks ago is because I want him to be on the same level, essentially. And there was a really nice moment in the press conference because the game tonight is being played at the Riverside Stadium in Middlesbrough, which is an old stomping ground of Gareth. Mm. He said he was interviewed by a local journalist and there was a moment of genuine affection. I, th- I can't remember her, her full name, but I think she works for BBC Look North. She's called Dawn Someone. And among all the bullshit, among all the world's media being focused on it, she was like, Gareth, it's Dawn so-and-so. And straight away, even though he's not worked in Middlesbrough for years and years, he was like, Dawn, it's really nice to see you. How are you? How are you getting on? And, it, and she was like, oh, it's great. Nice to see you too. How are you? Yeah, fine. And it was like old friends meeting again. Yeah. And I think that speaks a lot to the type of person he is. And that makes me proud of him being the England manager. I'm not saying it means he's going to win it. But I mean, it's, it's great to have a team like that and a manager like that who's not a little bit prickly, who's mm. not a little bit kind of up himself, who does understand the greater good, who does understand the, the meaning of the team and how that's the greatest and most important thing. And it made me really excited when, yeah. I, when I saw the squad. And what I'm hearing is July the 11th. Saddle up. <laughs> Saddle up, Wembley. That's what Luke Moore is saying. He said, he, he said the himself. final will be at Wembley. This much we know. <laughs> yeah. We'll be influencing the game as usual, Jim. Yes, he, he said, didn't he? Including the two friends, he said, look, we're planning for nine games. This is why I've picked the squad. Mm. This is why we've done what we've done. We're planning for nine games. And, and like Gary Lewin said as well, you know, you, you can take Jordan Henderson. He may not have played for since February 20th, but he can yeah. be ready. Absolutely. I mean, th- those are... Th- the fitness of Henderson and Maguire are slight worries for me. They could be things that do become a problem, but obviously he has thought about that. Um, so, and, and I suppose it is what it is. And I, in his shoes, I'd have made the same decision for bringing those players. I am a little, I think centre-back might be the position that we're not quite strong enough in. Yeah. When you look around at the quality of the squad, it is pretty dazzling. But like this, the centre-backs, I do wonder if like we may just come up short against some proper top-quality attack. But one of the things that, makes me so happy about this squad looking at it which which goes on top of the maturity that you're talking about with with Southgate and the and the 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 pragmatic kind of realistic and and and, and kind of you know thoughtful approach to a tournament like this is i think back to when Spain's amazing generation was coming through and we hadn't even been doing the show that long mm. and you would look at those players coming through with, with jealousy really and it wasn't even just the players even the players on the fringes of the squad the young players coming through it was like oh my god have you, did you see that Sergio Canales goal remember that famous goal he scored when Madrid bought him off the back of it it was like mm. they've got another one coming through mm. and obviously it didn't always work out for all of those players but you would look at the England squad and you think Why, how come we don't do this yeah. why don't we have players that are this technical and obviously the changes at that point, were already being implemented at, at the youth level to make sure that you know if you were tall, you weren't either a centre back or a centre forward, <laughs> and like you know, you know, th- there was an actual focus on players being able to to technically understand how to use a ball when they were children. And now we we have that generation coming through. You've got your players like Phil Foden and, and Bukayo Saka, and 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 the young players who who just have a lot more technical quality than we than we were used to seeing from young raw players coming through. Not, like. I don't. I don't know. Would you describe any player in that squad as raw? That's I don't think what you I was would. Say, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I don't. I don't think they are short. So the average caps per player in our squad in the England squad is twenty, which I think is the lowest number in the tournament, i.e., the lowest average. It's also yeah. the youngest average in the tournament as well. But that doesn't. Youngest that's age average. You mean. Age average. Yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. that doesn't make you feel like we're under-equipped. No, it doesn't. At all. Look at how far these players have gone in Europe, a lot of them, yeah. uh, over the past three seasons as well. They've done, they've done incredibly well. They've got a lot of experience. I mean, maybe I'm talking myself into what will later <laughs> become pain. In fact, I know we're doing that. But I mean, oh, this no. is the best squad we've had in a long time, right? 
Yeah. I, th- I think so. I it think, I think like that. No gaps apart from the one you've identified. I yeah. think with, with that, though, brings its own pressure. Like, there was, there was almost like a free hit element to 2018. Mm. And um, yeah, yeah, at, at, you know, half of what you said there, Jim, was true in 2018 as well. Exciting players, young players, technical players, etc. And they came up short, but they, they grew a lot and they, and they learnt a lot and they impressed and it was a great summer and we were all very happy as England fans. Now we've got to see how far we come because those players are more experienced, new, even better players have come through and we've got a lot of games at home. Mm. Everything's stacked in our favour. The mm-hmm. same way the draw was stacked in our favour in 2018, yes. if we're honest. Which yes. is also really so, important to think about. Yeah. So I would, I would like to build on what you said, Jim, about the centre-backs thing and say, actually, if you were going to be super critical, you would probably argue that um, outside of the attacking aspect of our team, we're probably quite, we're probably weakest in goalkeeper Defending yeah. centrally and midfield centrally. Pope's so, a huge miss, I feel. So, so mm. well, well, I think I think Pickford. A lot of people aren't convinced by him anyway. But if you are convinced by him, there's nothing after him really. I mean, Dean Henderson's got yeah. one cap. Sam Johnson's got zero caps. No disrespect to them, but they ain't gonna, you know, they ain't going to fill everyone with confidence because they can't. But Henderson has been making starts. I mean, in comparison with say, let's say this, sure. these years were taking place a year ago. Sure. You know, he has been starting regularly. He's, he's played a lot of football for a yeah. massive club. He's played a lot of football, but I think it's, it's, it's not quite night and day, but there's a big difference, even if you're at Manchester United, between playing and vying for a first-team shirt at Man United and being as part of that bubble in England squad in the mm. Euros. And, if, and he's, if he's asked upon after three minutes of the first game, it's going to be a big step up. Yeah. And I think we need to acknowledge that. I'm not, course, I'm not, yeah. using, it, I'm not using it as a lightning rod to criticise him. I'm just saying that's the case. Centre-back is the same. I, I think Jim's right, particularly with the fitness of Harry Maguire. Centre midfield, possibly. If Jordan Henderson is going to break down an injury, he needs to do it before Saturday, <laughs> the Saturday yeah. so we can actually replace him. And then, But what that says is actually, I was going to make this a positive point. I think everyone would like to see him just go for it then. Yeah. yeah. But you, you ain't going to... Andy Brassel talks a lot about um, international tournaments being more defensive-minded and how yes. like, people are going to somehow do what Greece did in 2004 or whatever. I don't agree with that. And I think people... Um, who know loads about football like Andy always look at stuff logically like that and say that I don't particularly remember tournaments always being like that and I don't think we saw that from the Champions League final for example which would be the same principle mm. end of a long season people desperate to win it was really attacking it was end to end yeah but that's a specific one game I think he's talking about the way you manage your games because yeah. it's a knockout because it's you know it's tournament football obviously you have to but if England approach systematic it, sure but if England approach it in that way what I'm saying is they'll come up badly short in my opinion so they have to go for it, I think. I think they've just got to go for it. They've got to um, you know, play to their strengths, play an attacking team. Don't quite go the full... Never go the full pep. Yeah. But, you know, do go part <laughs> do of the way. Do pick one of your defensive yeah, yeah. uh, And a striker. And, and I also, I also, what I wanted to do as well, if it's okay with you guys, is I wanted to address this quote-unquote four right-backs thing. It's really important because the way the media works is that they will try and find a narrative, as Jim's already alluded to, as to why there can be some controversy or something to talk mm. about. And this four mm. right-backs thing seems to be the thing. It's the same with injuries. Listen to Lions Watch from Saturday where Gary Lewin was on with Marcus and Vish and he was talking about specifically injuries. Look, he was saying the most frustrating thing was not being able to answer back because half the shit that was talked about injuries to players in tournaments was complete bollocks. And, and, and they would refer to knee injuries as, oh, he's got a knee injury, where every single knee injury Gary Lewin said he's seen in his entire career was completely different, right? Mm. So people are talking from a, not a position of knowledge. And that's why the injury thing's interesting. But the right-back thing, I think, is fascinating because Southgate said it clearly yesterday. These are good players. They've played in lots of different positions between them and they're vital for the balance of our team. They're not just right-backs. They're really good players. And every single one of them has played in a different position that isn't right-back. So why are we fucking talking about it? Yeah. Also, even the term right-back is a bit of a misnomer now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So If you look at the way... 
Trent Alexander-Arnold plays, for example, yeah. it's like really influenced by Danny Alves, which is effectively a right-sided, a right-sided player. That yeah. entire side of the pitch yeah. is is his remit, and I think there's an argument that all those players play like that now. I do. I, part of me wants to see him start Trent Alexander-Arnold at right wing back, Kieran Trippier on the left, Kyle Walker in a three, <laughs> and Trent Alexander-Arnold in midfield. Like, <laughs> Where you've just, just like, didn't just you do put, Trent squeeze twice them all in. There. I think I did. Yeah. yeah so Reece, Reece, sorry, Reese James, James is playing as, right as back. Is playing traditional yeah, right wing back. I think yeah. Gareth, Gareth would pick him twice if he could. Yeah. Alexander um, Arnold or Reese James. Yeah. Either of them. And I, and I would be. <laughs> he I would, wanted more right backs. He said. Yeah, I'd be in favour. <laughs> he was of that. like, "Where's Wan Bissaka?" I, I think on the on the point you about the um, the evolution of the positional play is really interesting as well because you're absolutely right. It isn't a case of. He's a defender, he's a midfielder, yeah. he's a forward. And it hasn't been that for some time. And let's face it, he's providing more assists than anyone else for Liverpool. Mm. Alexander-Arnold. And we can't afford to do without someone like that. And, you know, the right decision we, was made apparently three weeks ago we, when everyone wasn't panicking. Well, he's yeah. got that, you know, he, he also provides the sort of delivery people say that only James Ward-Prowse can. As we've, <laughs> as we've said, it's, like, it's, it's, it's Beckham-esque compared to what we've had in the past. And also... Jack Grealish is an absolute free kick factory. Mm. So if you've got him on the pitch, if you've got those two on the pitch, mm. you, you potentially give yourself another advantage. I'm Just not worried about don't that. Don't have Harry Kane taking corners and you're fine. Yeah, you've, also, <laughs> you've also got to look into, like another example would be how the German squad announced their teams, announced their squads for tournaments. And they've been doing it for years. They don't really announce it in that same kind of way. Mm. These are the defenders. These are the... Mm. Germany's squad currently for the Euros, they've got three quote-unquote forwards. Right, yeah. yeah, and one of those is Timo Werner. One of them is Serge Gnabry, and one of them is Kevin Volland. I think I don't think they've announced their one for the actual. Oh no, they have announced the twenty-six, and that's the three. But if you look at it on paper, they've got eleven midfield players. Yeah, yeah. well, that's Thomas Muller. Yeah, exactly. Person, yeah. And obviously, it's not going to work like that, right? Mm. You can't tell me that Gundogan is the same as Joshua Kimmich, who's the same as Kai Havertz, who played up front for yeah, Chelsea yeah, in the Champions yeah. League final. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So it, it is a lot more fluid now. And I think people get focused a bit too much on that. I understand the imbalance argument, but then, you know, players in that group of four have played left on the left. So look, it's different challenges for different games. We're planning for, for seven games in the tournament itself. It will be a different challenge playing in Croatia than it will be playing in Scotland, which if you, you come up against the France, you've got a different challenge to solve. Mm. So he's looking for the players that are going to help him better do that. It'll be great. It will be. It's going to be great. If you Um, you don't look at any other squads, you can really easily convince them to win this. That's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no, now I feel like I should be taking the temperature down a little bit. Uh, Quick (laughs) word on Jay Ling's. He's not in, or is he? What's, yeah. Do we feel like there's something afoot here? Well, the fact have, that he's playing? Get your Tim Four hats on. Yeah, yes. we, 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 we knocked on. up a theory about this, didn't we, before the show? <laughs> well, I did it and I want you to say it. Case <laughs> <it's coming. laughs> well, you, you, you were saying that you think it's possible that somebody has an injury that um, that hasn't been reported to the press that, that might become a problem later. So Lingard is staying in just in case that becomes a problem. And Southgate has said as well that this is the reserve lift list, so he needs to keep them in match, yeah, match shape, which sure. does make sense. It seemed crazy at first, but when you when you hear him explain it, it's like, so, okay. So, so let me put a bit more meat on those bones because... That's that. That was the that was the light version. That was not the diet version. And He's I coming back you, in. I respect for you for for banning me out there. <laughs> I was actually what I what I thought would perhaps be the case is that there may be a player that we haven't talked about too much re injuries that is perhaps a bit more injured than we think. And I think that player might be Marcus Rashford. <laughs> right. Okay. I thought you were yeah. going to just do that whole thing and then not say who we think it no. is. <laughs> yeah. Tune in tomorrow. <laughs> yes. uh, no, I, I think Marcus Rashford. who has got a well publicised shoulder injury and foot injury that isn't being talked about quite so much as being injured because mm. he said he's fine and he said to Gareth Southgate he's fine. I wonder whether, it may not even be him, but I wonder whether 
if if um, someone does pull out between now and next Saturday, obviously Lingard will be, probably be the first off the block. Yeah. But I do also think that um, the, the the rationale, although originally straight away when I heard about it, I was confused. I do kind of understand it, that he wants to keep players match fit. He wants to give them chance to, to grace as part of the group as possible. I, I'm pretty sure Ben White, Ben Godfrey and uh, Aaron Ramsdale were always going to just be training for yeah. experience anyway. Yeah, yeah. But the other players perhaps will be will be called upon if, if something happens between now and Saturday. It has to be, I think, a new injury between now and next Saturday, which may mean my theory is completely blown out of the water. But look, we've got to talk about something, mm. haven't we? Now. Also, yeah. <laughs> isn't it the case that Jack Grealish hasn't been able to partake in every training session? So yeah, that might right. be a little yeah. question mark over him as well. Yeah. Um, there's already been some international football guys. The biggest of all fixtures. San Marino got their first away goal in over three and a half years in a 4-1 defeat to Kosovo. That's um, the big story. Why that's we the big that? story. And the famous YouTube San Marino fan played it over the played Titanic music over the top of it on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, it's the San Marino fan account is what it's called. It's good to have stuff, you know, in this day of branding, complicated branding, it's good to have something that yeah. just does what it says it's on the probably tin. probably quite close to getting a game. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. Be in the pool. Yeah. Yeah, I felt a bit sorry for, um, on the on the Sky Sports website, they put just the one San Marino goal, not the four Kosovo goals, <laughs> um, all of which were scored by Vedek Mariki. So Very congrats, nice. mate. Good he, job. So he scored four goals in the game and didn't get in the highlights. Yeah. Didn't get in the highlights. That's highlight. astonishing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you get when the most serene republic of San Marino score a goal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. No, the most important game last night for us, I think, was seeing Croatia draw. Yeah, 1-1 with Armenia. That's right. Yeah. But Jim watched the game. I watched the, the first world. half of the game. Yeah. You could see what looked like, looked like a B Didn't road see the Armenia in game. the background. Uh, goal, though. No, I watched the highlights of it, though. Good okay. goal, actually. Uh, yeah, it just looked like a training game, as you'd expect from, from this sort of friendly at this sort of You point. don't think it looks like a nailed-on example of the fact that we're going to absolutely smash that Croatian they, they, they side? They looked like they weren't ready for what's coming to them, I have yeah. to say. There was a real, real sense of that. Do you mean England? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't see in the future. Yeah. That might yet happen tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it, I mean, obviously, it's so, there's so little you can draw from that. I did feel a little bit like one of Bielsa's spies. Like, oh, yeah. Aha, they don't know I'm looking at this. Right. Um, <laughs> Which is watching the game on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, it was in, it was in like, what looked like a training stadium, like literally a B road in the background, <laughs> like just people in Croatia. I saw it, yeah. You know, you know doing the thing. Um, <laughs> But but you know you know what's interesting the Armenia goal was a beauty by the way I would, mm. if, if those of you who are fans of of, of of balls being smashed into the top corner for thirty yards to check it out um, yeah um, but yeah it's a training game it's a warm up game you know there's going to be checking out different formations different styles different shapes seeing players fitness etc we can't read too much into the result but what it did remind me of is something I've talked about quite a lot on lines but I know I keep mentioning it but we are building up to the tournament now so go and subscribe to it over on Football Round Presents um, I've talked about how important it is the order in which you play your games in the group mm -hmm. stage. And England have their hardest game first. Yeah. Now, that can be a problem. That can be problematic. Mm. It happened to England in quite a bad way in a tough group in 2014. They got knocked out in the group stage. Not this, England. Sorry. But if you want, you need to stop this tub thumping because it's only going to look bad on you yeah. in a month's time. Um, <laughs> and we, I apologise. We, if, we, if we go up against one of the weaker teams, Scotland or Czech Republic, it gives us a better chance. Having said that, I gamed out the the path, which I think is much more difficult to do in a 24-team tournament. If it's 16 or 32, it's much more clear because 24-team tournament, you get the um, third-place teams coming through. Mm -hmm. It looks like it might be better for England to finish second in the group anyway. Mm -hmm. So, we'll see how we go. But mm. Croatia first is the toughest game. It's at Wembley, so yeah. fingers crossed. be interesting. I think, you know, you can only draw so much from these, these games, but I was struck by 
just how reliant they still are on Luka Modric, which is, you know, of course you're going to be very reliant on your best player. Um, but it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how England approach that, especially given how we run the midfield in the World Cup. Yeah, I think we might already been getting a bit overheated with enthusiasm here. Certainly I am. So let's cool down in a little break. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Bernie Katz was fun, he was kind. When he walked in, the room just lit up. And there was something magical about this young man that just had a glint in his eye, that didn't give a shit about anything, but loved everything. My first impressions were of a huge, vibrant and outgoing personality, all hugs, grins, extravagant language and wild attire. Always in a leopard skin jacket, whirling around like a windmill. I know, she's a character. I don't know if those people exist anymore. They're sort of dying out. Everything's changed. It is a bank holiday weekend in London, the late summer of 2017. The streets around Kentish Town, just north of the city and halfway towards Hampstead Heath, are unusually quiet. That evening, in a small, converted flat, just a 15-minute bus ride from King's Cross Station, Bernie Katz, pocket-sized and long-standing front-of-house manager of London's Grouch Show Club, is found dead by his landlord. I said to him, what happened? You know, and he said, we are not talking about it. And yes, there have been the rumours. We've all heard. I mean, what did I hear specifically? That he was murdered. His relationship with his father was so toxic. He hated the idea that his son was gay. His right. dad was a proper gangster. Then he came down, there was a car far from. Guy blows his dad's head off. They were all part of the same fetid, seething, self-referential nest of vipers that I think Groucho had become. Was Bernie depressive? I think yes. When alone, 
condition he rarely sought, he had demons that flew about his head. I get a call from Bernie and he is in £20,000 worth of debt with the Albanian gangsters in Soho. We all collected and paid the debt. The way that the Albanians operate is very, very peculiar because they did not operate like any other mafia in Europe. I've never been able to establish exactly what happened and why, but whatever it was, it was so wrong. Bernie, who killed the Prince of Soho? Listen now. A Stack Production, available wherever you get your podcasts. If I'm trying to get the Arsenal fans on side, there's one name missing from that list. Oh, you. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Why don't you buy the club then? Weird. Ooh, finger involved. Good to hear from him, Jim. Yeah. That's a bit. Uh, that's a bit former B and Collie. Yeah. I recognise that very clearly. Lovely old fanger. Yeah. Why don't we get him in the studio, eh? These are the kind of guests we're managing to attract these days. Right, we need to get to some emails. Here we go. Genuinely good. Mm. It's like a yacht rock fade out yeah, at yeah, the yeah. end as well. Gotta be I, honest, I was hoping the jungle one would get another run out. Well, there's always tomorrow. That's the beautiful yeah. thing about the football ramble. But that—that that is an amazing. Uh, it's the first time I've been on the show with that jingle, and I wanted to absolutely praise its yacht rock sensibilities. <laughs> the Atmos has gone low, hasn't it? Lindsay? Yeah, pair of chinos, no socks, loafers on a boat. Mm. Three, three open pairs fire of fire na- on the boat somehow. <laughs> yeah, three pairs of naked legs in the studio today. I must yeah. tell the listeners. Yeah. Well. well Wear shorts. <laughs> clear yeah. that up straight. We're all away. wearing clothes from the from the waist down. In today's political <laughs> moment, let's clear that up. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. You got an email, Luke. Yeah. I have. There's five cameras in this studio. <laughs> Don't want people to say I'm wearing any clothes to work. <laughs> uh, yeah, Matthew Campe has been in touch. Hello to you, Matthew. Thanks for emailing in. And this is reference the uh, extra time chat we've been having earlier this week. He says, as a Canadian, I obviously like ice hockey <laughs> and the way they do overtime in their playoffs is quite interesting. If the game is tied after three periods, they enter a five-on-five overtime where nobody can leave until someone scores a goal. Love that. No one can leave. Yeah. Lock the doors. Um <laughs> If 20 minutes, the length of a regular period goes by without someone scoring, they take a quick break and try again. In extreme cases, the team staff will order pizzas to the locker room to make sure that players are fueled up for however many extra periods we played. Ooh, I'd like to formally propose that UEFA take this approach for extra time in the Europa League. Instead of avoiding the fatigue problem, let's lean into it and see just how fit these players are. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Jurgen Klopp will be turning in his... Well, he's not dead. So I'm surprised it's not. I'm surprised it's pizzas. I thought there'd be some like more characteristically Canadian thing. Some like, everyone gets Timmy Horton's donuts or, or whatever. Poutine. Poutine, yeah. yeah. Mm. I like it. So Alex Chalkin has been in touch as well. He says, with a recent discussion of in-stadium pools, I wanted to point your attention to the best series of events involving an American sports team and an in-stadium pool. Hmm. Baseball's Arizona Diamondbacks have an in-ground pool behind their outfield fence where patrons can watch the game, take a dip and possibly catch a home run. In 2013, the Los Angeles Dodgers clinched a playoff appearance after winning a game at Arizona. To celebrate, the Dodgers jumped in the pool. Diamondbacks players and staff were later quoted calling the Dodgers (laughs) classless and disrespectful. In 2017, the Dodgers won a playoff series in Arizona 
and the Phoenix Police Department placed horse-mounted officers in front of the gates of the pool to prevent the celebration from recurring. Wow. I just feel like if you've got a pool there, let people enjoy it. Yeah. It's because so they would have jumped in them it's because it's not their pool, is that yeah. the point? And they probably would have all the dusty clothes on and stuff as well. Lot, yeah, but lot, I mean you can re- clean up you got all of no, because pools have that recycling water thing all the time don't they filtration yeah. advanced filtration I'd imagine especially if they're letting but guests I, I, in there I've never once been to a swimming pool where they say do what you want because it'll get cleaned anyway True. Yeah, they people, always say have a shower before you get in yeah but they let little kids in there and they True. those guys piss in the pools True, yeah. not just little kids sometimes um, Jules was actually right yesterday when she said that's fine but you want the pool to be elevated because if you're watching a game a sport from a ground level and you're it's already effectively yeah. underground with your head at ground level it's Although, not going to work Kind of maybe Bielsa would disagree. <laughs> that would be the future. They would dig him a little hole. Yeah. And his head lower would just lower. be at like ball level. <laughs> like a little meerkat. <laughs> yeah. Like a meerkat with a decision to be made. Yeah, sounds crap. Who'd want to watch sport from within a lovely swimming pool? I'd love the idea of Bielsa being underground. And every yeah. so often you see a hand with a knife. <laughs> someone comes and gets it. He's just living underground in a lair. He's just got, v, he's just got v, VCRs in yeah. downstairs watching, watching. He doesn't want to be distracted by the outside environment. Yeah. Absolutely not. Right. Show at footballramble.com. Email us, please, or tweet us at Football Ramble. Thank you for that email, Alex. Now, let's get to Carlo Ancelotti because he is no longer the Everton manager. After 18 months in charge, he has returned to Real Madrid. I don't know about you guys, but I'm finding all of this, you know, returning to your former clubs a little bit, a little bit much. But anyway, a lot of it going on. There's a lot of it going on. It's like, get, get some new ideas, people. Yeah. Anyway, come on to that. Chat about what it means for a real... Madrid perspective perhaps in a bit in a second but uh, let's let's look at this from Everton's side of things um friend of mine Nick who uh, is a listener to the football ramble good man asked him about Ancelotti and he said what I thought was quite an interesting thing he said it almost felt too good to last having Carlo yeah. Ancelotti which I mean he said lots of interesting things by the way obviously um but you know this grand old club five-time FA Cup winners nine-time league champions okay not since the Premier League uh they finished last season 10th with 59 points. Yeah. The fact that a, you know, a, a fan who's been a fan since babyhood can say that it felt too good to last to have a manager like this. Well, it's not really surprising. I mean, Ancelotti's used to managing sort of elite level players and he didn't obviously quite have that in most cases. You know. But I do think he got off a little bit lightly, actually. I agree with that. With, with the, yeah. the job he did there. They just sort of, they sort of reverted to type. And with the, the the kind of manager he is, the level of experience he has as well, you would think he'd be able to get better out of them. And I think that is the most important challenge that Everton face now. I don't think they necessarily have to go after a big name because you're obviously going to be vulnerable to them being cherry-picked in, in this exact manner. What they need to do is get someone who can improve the players they've got. They've got you know, hang on, hang on to James Rodriguez and hang on to Richarlison, even even though he's been very, very frustrating. They've, I think they've got just they've got to concentrate on getting more out of what they already have because it's it's been disappointing. That's been their problem for a while, hasn't it? it okay. Must be very frustrating as an Everton fan. I think it has been really frustrating. I mean, so what, Graham Potter? I mean, some of the the, the people that that have been linked with them, it's all people that can't go there. Like David Moore is no chance yeah, no he's way. going, back, especially not given move. the job he's doing at West Ham. Everton fans, I think, mainly quite snobby about Eddie Howe. Uh, with you know, obviously went down with Bournemouth. Nuno Espirito Santo. He's been, Nuno's been linked with the Palace job. I'm astonished yeah. by that. I, yeah. I thought when he left with a couple of games of the somewhere. season to go that he was leaving because he had somewhere yeah. to go, but it doesn't look that way, does it? Yeah, I, I don't have any particular insight into what, he, yeah, what his decision-making process was, but I saw him linked with Crystal Palace yesterday, which was surprising. But on the Everton thing, I mean, I think as ever, as, as with a lot of um, things uh, we talk about 
in football. I think Leicester probably provide the template here. Mm. I think Leicester are the template. Actually, there's no reason, for example, Spurs couldn't be like a turbocharged Leicester. Get a coherent off-field plan, hire the right people to make the football decisions and get a coach like a Brendan Rodgers yeah. or whatever, and that would work. Everton's no, there's no difference to that. Everton are a historic club. They're a proud club. They've got high expectations. They're known as being, you know, Goodison Park's known as being one of the most, if not the most demanding stadiums in the Premier League. So it's a project for someone. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking about Ancelotti getting away with one, I mean, he's just gone to Real Madrid in a three-year yes. deal. So you don't get away with anything more just, than that. But, yeah. do, but do you know what's kind of amazing also looking at Ancelotti? The fact, <clears> that, the fact that they have, I guess, if you're asked to go and manage Real Madrid again, you can't say no. Of course not. Because it seems, you know, like a few days ago, he was talking about being there for the opening of their new stadium, Carlo Ancelotti. Mm. Like, it really seems to have taken... But that said, perhaps this is me um, and Fahad Mashiri perhaps being uh, naive because he's not, Carlo, he's not lasted more than two years in a job since he was at AC Milan for eight years. His his reputation is so good and so bulletproof that he will always get jobs. Um, it's no different to a Mourinho thing, really. I mean, he's, yeah. less, he's less box office than Mourinho, but he's achieved a lot in his career. He's, he's absolute football royalty as a player and as a manager. And if you um, read what David Cartledge, we have on OTC regularly, says, um, it's a good move for Real Madrid at the moment because it's stability, it's something yeah. they need. They want to get Raul long-term, but he's not ready yet. So Ancelotti coming in, it's like you know getting your favourite uncle to look after you for yeah. a weekend while your parents are away, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's, a great, it's a great thing to do. Uh, it's a great, everyone's going to have a lovely time, aren't they? It's going to be brilliant. You probably eat as much pizza as you want. Yeah. You know, and so it works for them. And it is absolutely right. Um, he's not going to turn it down because who is going to turn a three-year down, deal down at Real Madrid, even though you're only going to work 18 months of that, you're going to mm. get a payoff for the rest of it probably. So I've been to the Bernabeu once and I wanted to play for Real Madrid. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you, you get it. Even, you, you know, the, all the evil empire stuff about them. <laughs> yeah. Like, but like, you get there and you're like, no, I want a piece of this. Well, that's the thing about evil empires. They're very good recruiters. Well, quite, yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, th- I think, briefly going back to Everton as well, though, I think, and this is the owners, obviously, rather than the, the expectations of the fans, they've been so obsessed with the Champions League and getting into it, it seems, you know, with the, with the, the money they've spent and, the, you know, the, the, what they've spoken about their ambitions being. But I feel like they should, should be aiming to establish themselves as a Europa League team for a, for a little while and then build from that. I feel like the owners have wanted a bit too much a bit too soon, which is kind of understandable when you manage to get in an, a manager like that. But, but it's hard to, though, isn't it? Because exactly. the Europa League brings its own challenges. And if you think, at the, um, if you think of the, the league position they finished in since, since the new ownership's taken over, I mean, it's not been great. It's not that they've not, they've not, it's obviously it's very hard to break into that. Yeah. And they've shown it how hard it can be, even with the resources they've had, because they spent like a half a billion quid on players or something. Yeah. But you have to get it right. And I think, I do think, and perhaps Everton fans will be upset with me saying this and comparing them to Leicester, but the Leicester model is the template. It works. I'm not, I'm not talking about the ownership and how, you know, sports washing and you know, the, the idea of a good billionaire and a bad billionaire, mm. whatever. But the point is the football operation at Leicester works because they've got a coherent plan. And there's no reason other clubs, Spurs and Everton, the ones that spring to mind, can't replicate that. But they've got to make the right decisions. And you're not going to do that with a Carlo Ancelotti. It's just not going to happen. So you're now saying it looks as though it was... At the time, it looked like a massive coup, like how this is putting Everton back where they belong. But now you're saying, Luke, it looks a bit more like a kind of a vanity move that didn't really... No, at, at the time, I was. I thought I mean, it was Big a great Sam signing. I mean, Big Sam finished at, obviously, eighth with Everton. So, you know, yeah, questions should be asked. I, I, at the time, I thought it was a great great move for them because it steps them up. And, and if, they, yeah. if he could have forced them in there... Um, it would have made sense because he had the, had the experience to operate at the very top table in football if, if he could deliver Everton there, but he couldn't. So I mean, yeah. so know, it's it, the point it is getting it. he couldn't. You're saying if they'd have got to that position, that would have been the man to have in, i.e., sort of Europa League Maybe, area. Yeah, but to get them up to that, that wasn't his skill set. You know what? This might actually 
in the in the short term even be a good thing for Everton because this was he, Ancelotti was always going to be susceptible to this sort of move as we as we've dis- discussed and perhaps it just it looked to be a better fit than it was so the sooner they get on with actually bringing someone in who can be there for a bit longer get a coherent plan formulated the better really because it's not really been progress is it in this one season and now no. they've got to sort of rip it up and start again so better to get on with that now than wait another season they can always look back on being top a month into the season though you remember that Everton fans four every team four. I mean every team at one every point team. was top weren't they like Spurs were top at one point there was another team that came up yesterday that were top for a weird amount of time at, the, at some point in the season yeah, it happens mm. yeah and if we can just add to the speculation one one manager I think potentially will be linked definitely is is Alan Pardew and he's lining up with Luke Barton might have gone and Trevino did why Barton? because he grabbed him by the throat well I just thought that uh, firstly the guys dived <laughs> yes time. indeed it is time to play your pards right is it just an excuse to play that jingle partly 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 but <laughs> partly parsley just do a name association now. Phil Barnsley <laughs> Lee Carsley <laughs> Oh, we're having a meltdown. Great. Um, it's time to play your cards right. For those of you who don't know how it goes, you will pick it up very quickly. Much like the man himself, it's pretty uncomplicated. Um, uh, Jim and Kate play together. They're a team. They're also a team on the book club as well. So they're used to working together on this kind of stuff. Um, although we haven't had cards on that yet. But you are going to have to work together to win this game. The mm. best uh, performance both of which included Andy Brassel's presence, both as a solo artist and as in a group. I think we should forget the solo one. Was seven players correct. What I do is I give the guys a subject, or they, they pick a subject from a group of five, and then we go higher or lower all the way through. So here we go. Um, the categories are sorted today. Please pick a number between one and five. Two. Two. Okay, right. You have chosen tackles in the Premier League. Since 2006 and seven, Right. The reason for that is because certain stats weren't monitored Tracks, by the yeah. Premier League until then. So from, mm. from 2006 to 2007, individual players and the amount of tackles they've made in the Premier League. Okay, It's a joke. It's a joke. You might hear that in a bit. Um, we start, as always, with Alan Pardew, <laughs> who at the time of recording, and according to our stats, has made zero <laughs> tackles in the Premier League. Your first player is Vincent Company. Do you think he's made higher or lower than zero tackles? So did Vince and company ever make a tackle in the Premier League? That's the question here. Luke always says that I'm not confident enough when I'm doing games, so I'm going to practice that. Yeah. What do you think? Higher. You've got yes. one. Oh, You've got feel one. Feel strong. There you go, Kate. Okay. Off so the mark. Vin- up straight. Vinny Company made 550 tackles in the Premier League. Wow. Let me get that and down. You think it'd be higher than that? Or I would have thought, anyway. Well, that could be instructive. Hold mm. that thought. The best defenders don't need to tackle as much. True. So maybe that's part of the part No, they control you with their mind. Exactly. Um, next player who certainly didn't... Actually, who pretty much controlled the entire game with his mind. Oh, yeah. Higher or lower than 550. Tackles in the Premier League. Paul Scholes. Oh, right, surely that's got to nice be Nice little red herring, right? Yeah, nice little red herring. Sorry, lower. I mean lower because a lot of his tackles were really more assaults. Won't they? They still count as tackles. Well, do they though? Do they? If it's a foul, is it a tackle? Yeah, it could be a red herring because he would have played in the Premier League for, a, although it's since 2006, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 since 2006. What do you think on this one, Kate? I feel stressed. People are playing along. What do you think? I feel it will be lower, but then he did play in midfield where 
A lot of different variables, aren't there? There are a lot of variables. I've actually... Um, if you don't get this one right, just to let you know... I'm really so blank. All yeah. the listeners to know, this will be the worst performance in the history of the game. Yeah, but you could... The, the way you set up the game is very variable. The algorithm is much more shaky on this one, I'd say. Don't come into the studio and talk to me about algorithms, all right? I'm the algorithm king. I've been watching Tenet, though. <laughs> an, so. al- <laughs> an algorithm hides a multitude of sins when it comes to producing mm. shows. Okay. Higher or low than 550? Come on, everyone listening would have made their choice. What's your choice? Should we say lower? Because I've... you know, I'm. I'm I'm the only one making a decision here, so let's go lower. And if it, <laughs> which is unlike you, probably yeah, saying indeed. If God, it ends I'm terribly, scared. so be it. I, hey, lower. I accept it. You yeah. want to go lower? Shit, no. Yes. Oh, you have a guess how many you made? Four hundred and thirty-seven. Three hundred and seventy-three. Ooh, it was a Sorry. bigger gap than we thought. Mm. You've got two. Next player, higher or lower than three hundred and seventy-three tackles in the Premier League since two thousand six, seven. Fernandinho. Fernandinho. Surely higher. What? Yeah, no. you were surely higher than 337. Fernandinho. Three hundred seventy-three. Three hundred seventy-three. It was three hundred seventy-three. Yeah. Sorry, he's played in the Premier League for a long time. Fernandinho. Let's I just, think that's going to be let's higher. Let's just do it. Higher. Yeah. Ding. Thank that's you. three. Okay. So what you're three okay, down. So we're now out of the like meltdown. Yeah, out of the embarrassment zone. Thank yeah. you. Do you think so? You think the embarrassment yeah, zone I'd is three? So. Okay, yeah, cool. I'd say so. Yeah. Well, that's a relief. I feel better now. Yeah. Um, player number four, higher or lower than five hundred seventy-eight tackles, is. Sesc Fabregas. Sesc Fabregas. 578, was it? It, it is, yeah. Is um, it? 578? Fabregas is always an interesting one because people think of him as synonymous with the Premier League, but also he played elsewhere as well. So yeah. it's, it's, it's easy to get seduced. I lean towards lower. Oh, God. On that one because yeah. Fernandinho is just far more that type of player, isn't he? Yeah, I agree. Fabregas yeah. wasn't so much of a ball winner. So I think lower. You're going to go lower? Is that mm-hmm. your official answer? Yeah. Yes. Don't look at my finger. Let's see which button I'm going to press. You confirm looking, I was trying answer. to look at your yeah. face. Oh, oh, sake! Sesk, you prick. <laughs> Broken my heart all over again. <laughs> I forgot. I actually forgot that was in there. Sesk Fabregas has made an astonishing 663 wow. Premier League tackles in his career, which means you that end play your pass right today with three. I'm really, really gutted. Three. I'm really gutted. Yeah. Sorry, Sesk. Yeah, I apologise. I think you can apologise to me. Actually, I rather feel like you railroaded that one through. Well, you had every opportunity to put forward your own opinion. <laughs> well, I'm intimidated that is by a, game works. <laughs> I'm intimidated by your good looks and charms. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was too scared. Um, all right, then I feel sad. That's a low. That's a low way to exit. You won't find that on Brussels Watch. As long as they say. And I think I think listeners will be frustrated because they would have wanted to carry on. Yeah. Um, so maybe the only way of doing that. Well, I think as a patron thing, maybe we'll do something in the future. Patreon.com forward slash football ramble. Subscribe. Maybe we'll do a, a play your cards right version that you guys can play along with. All we right. could do it like a poll. Everyone can mm. vote. All the patrons can vote. And yeah. They, and we'll see how many far they can get. I like it. I I think if you want to cheer us up, actually, come to think of it. Um. If you enjoyed today's show, could you please head over to Apple Pods or wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a review? It really, really helps the show. And yeah, if you've listened, if you're here at this end point, then you must think it's all right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you listen to this, give us a review. You can make whatever review you want, but you've listened to this stage, so presumably you like it a bit. Lots of international football coming up tonight. England against Austria. Jesse Lingard, is he going to... Is he going to stake his claim on that be secret funny if he, injury if he, spot? If he bangs in the hat trick, that'd be funny. Yeah. It would. Yeah. Uh, France up against Wales. Yeah, I guess Wales are the red letter ones in that one. Uh, Netherlands play Scotland. Uh, there's also FIFA World Cup CONCACAF qualifying. If you like a bit of, you know, Caribbean. That, that's exhausting. Football. Just even hearing that is exhausting. <laughs> there you go. You're not telling us you're getting sad about the football again, Jim. <laughs> yeah, it's happened already. We're all back in the. Joyful international <laughs> no, zone. Wait. We're happy. The season is done. 
Long live the Euros. I am genuinely really excited about it now. Like yeah, so. yesterday, it's like re- it, the fever kicked in. Well, the guys will be pouring over the result from tonight, tomorrow, so that'll be exciting mm. too. They certainly will. And by those guys, you mean Marcus, Pete and Jim, you'll be back. Yep. You'll be bringing your excitement back into this warm, warm yep. studio. Uh, say goodbye for now, though, Jim. Goodbye for now, though, Jim. <laughs> say goodbye, Luke. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. See you tomorrow. The Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network.